industry people who do shoeies in their industry branded clothing at public events give me the Episode 403 of Bruce News Week, recorded on Wednesday the 25th of January. We're recording a day early because, of course, tomorrow is a public holiday. And I'm joined today by my usual co-host, Matt Kierkegaard, and we're also welcoming Bruce News journalist Vivian Topalovich. Hey, Viv. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on this week. <laughs> Thanks for being hey, here. And uh, between, I don't know about you, Sabrina, but between Vivian and I, we're catching our breath. It's been quite the week, including today, as we go to where we've just published a big story about uh, a, a brewery that's gone into administration, another one. Yeah, it's been a big news week in the brew uh, brewing world, both here and uh, overseas. Um, but the first thing we want to kick today off with is um, for all our listeners, you've probably seen we, Brews News, the team here, are hosting the official broadcast of the Gab's Hottest 100. Uh, voting closed last Friday and the countdown is taking place this Saturday the 28th, thanks to First Choice Liquor. Brews News are, um, we're the official hosts, so you're going to hear a good five hours of content from Matt and myself. Um, we're broadcasting out of a studio in Canberra and so we're really lucky to have uh, Capital and Bent Spoke lined up to join us in studio during the broadcast. Uh, we've lined up some really great other guests, uh, so it won't be just Matt and I, everyone. I should actually say, just because every year everyone assumes that we're trying, you know, we're, 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 it's a stitch up, everything is set. We're not speaking to any brewers in the last hour and a half just to show that we're not juggling things around and you know the order that people are in has no bearing on where they're going to finish so we're speaking to last three's top three last year's top three right at the start and we're in canberra because they had 11 out of the top 100 but we know nothing so i guess um we've got capital and men spoke joining us but we've got a whole set of other breweries all lined up to talk to us We've got some uh, influencers, retailer, and so on. Um, and I'm sure because it's live radio, we will be trying to get in touch with folks as the results come in. Um, but we're gonna we we definitely know that we'll be chatting with Matt and Jack from the Inspired Unemployed. Not again early on because we don't know, but there's certainly when, when you look <laughs> at and I, I, I've got to stress this. I feel like you've got um, PTSD or something, Matt. Well, I, I do a little bit, but also, you know, it, 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 it's important for the integrity of the vote that it doesn't look like it's being gamed in any way. And, you know, like one of the stories that we're going to come to as soon as we come out of this was there's been a brewery that's gone into administration and without thinking, they were a top 10 brewery last year. And because it's topical and relevant, I made the point, you know, I sort of said, you know, the brewery that is tipped to be a top 10 finisher this year. Um, and that was purely on the sports bet results. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you said, you know, does this make it look like, you know, you, you message me um, for those who don't know and sort of said, does this make it look like we know? And it didn't. It was purely 
as part of our research, we've seen it. So they are, inverted commas, tipped to be a top 10 finisher based on the on the odds. But everyone's trying to look at what we say and do to divine the tea leaves and they're just aren't, we're, we're drinking coffee. I was, uh, yeah, I was a little bit sensitive um, to that line in Matt's article because I have spent an inordinate amount of time working with Matt and the Gabs team to, you know, produce five hours. And every time we're in touch with someone, I'm really stressing we don't have the results. This is based on 2021. Um, so anyway, the net result, aside from Inside Baseball, for those of you that listen to us, there'll be all sorts of new listeners who've never listened to Radio Brews News, we anticipate. And so um, it should be a really good day if you can set aside your uh, hottest 100 uh, Triple J for a while. Um, you'll hear some dulcet tones <laughs> over your over the internets. Our listeners, uh, Vivian is very um, skilled in the music listening space and music would be her her true love. And so I'm fairly confident what she's going to be listening to on Saturday. I'll just have both on at the same time. (laughs) How very diplomatic. How very diplomatic. Right, Matt. Well, as you've mentioned a couple of times, breaking news from this morning, uh, Wednesday the 25th, um, Ballistic Beer enters administration. So Brisbane's Ballistic Beer Company has appointed external administrators with the aim to restructure and continue trading. ASAC records show the company yesterday appointed Jason Stone from accounting and advisory firm PKF to handle the administration. ASIC documents show that the administration relates to Ballistic Beer Company and Ballistic Springfield, but other related companies, including Ballistic with Sundays, Ballistic Hospitality, and Ballistic Bagara, are not affected. Founder and director David Kitchen confirmed the appointment, so he said the aim of that VA is just to reorganize and restore the balance sheet. What we expect is in five weeks' time, the company will be in a much better shape. And in the meantime, Ballistic will continue trading. And our product is still available in venues and in bottle shops, national chains, and for wholesale. So that doesn't change. Kitchen said the future of the business's staff is still to be determined. We have to now go through this process of the reorganization, and that will determine ultimately where we finish up. So it's a process now that really the administrator is spending a lot of time with our GM and coming up with a plan that he believes is a viable option for us to proceed and that he can recommend to close out the VA. So, Matt, we received, you know, um, tips on this early this morning. And- well, we've been hearing about it, but this was one that we'd actually had um, noted because it was filed with ASIC and we keep an eye on the ASIC um, register. So we were aware of of this and then of course you can't keep these things quiet um so we've been sitting on it and you know it's one of those things that in news you want to be first and we could have done something that just have said ended in uh you know administration just to be first but there was no details and you know staff weren't aware there was all of this stuff to to, to come out and you, you want to give them time to do that um, which incidentally is something that i think businesses that are considering going to administration have your comms lined up because yeah. as soon as people crisis know comms? people talk yep crisis comms exactly because right, as soon as anybody knows um and having heard there was apparently an email that went out to staff um, asking for all hands in today. And the email included 
to people that weren't staff. And I understand that staff Googled the company and it was a restructuring firm. So it's just, yeah, like it's, you know, and this is all the sort of stuff that comes out, but we waited until we had the story and something to actually add to it. The opportunity for people at Ballistic to actually respond to questions, right? Given the opportunity of response, right? Oh, exactly. And people shouldn't hear from us. They should hear from the company. And that process has to has to go through. So, but anyway, so all of that aside, you know, very, very sad news. And the very first thing that we need to say is, you know, thoughts go out to the staff and all of the people yeah. who are affected about this. Because on one hand, we're an industry news source, but the industry is made up of good people. And, uh, you know, to everybody that's affected, we hope you're doing okay. And, uh, you know, there, there are certainly um, places you can go um, if, if you need assistance. Um, but outside of that, um, you know, it, it's it's sad. It, it's sad for a business. It was, a, you know, founded in 2016. It's a significant Brisbane uh, brewery. Um, apparently... We're hearing a lot, and you can't always report on everything, but it sounds like they're hoping to do an easy times, which we reported on I was recently. Just say. Where, yeah, restructure, get things sorted. And that's where the article that I wrote focused a little bit on Mighty Craft because, um, you know, Mighty Craft flagged last year. And one of the reasons I've been watching um, Ballistic is because um, Mighty Craft has 10% of the company. Mightycraft is publicly listed. Um, Mightycraft has, you know, insinuated that Ballistic isn't one of its core resources. So at some stage, there was going to be a change core of ownership. Asset. Yeah, core asset. And it's the, the saddest thing for me is, you know, over the last two weeks, we've seen Source, for a variety of reasons, has scaled back its plans um, for cans. Now we've seen Ballistic possibly related to Mighty Craft, um, you know, go into administration. and It's just an unrealised promise, right? It's the unrealised promise of what Founders First was going to be, right? That's the, that's the sort of feeling. Look, I, I don't mean to be all defensive or anything like that, but, you know, this is one of the reasons why I've taken such an interest in Mighty Craft since they launched. And, you know, not last year, but the year before, I had a very, you know, difficult conversation with Mark Hazeman from Mighty Craft because they came into the market. It was a bunch of people who were talking about their skills and expertise in the brewing industry with a certain amount of arrogance about how they were going to take these small breweries national which was just against all the gravity of the industry. And, you know, even 18 months ago, you know, a year and a half ago, um, when I was asking him, how are you going to get scale? What does scale mean? How are you going to bring costs down? There was just this circuitous argument that wasn't addressed. And if that situation has had an impact on Ballistic, you know, they only had a 10% share, but Ballistic, if you remember, it was November 2020, I think, had you know, announced plans to take um, in, into that summer, take Hawaiian Haze National. Um, they, they, they brewed a huge amount of beer. That is a huge distraction for a business on the promise that they're going to be national by a business that supposedly has the relationships to do that. Um, and 
it just didn't ever deliver. You know, there were billboard campaigns. There was a lot of, and there was a huge focus that the business had to um, to, to do that. And that's why, you know, I'm not blaming anybody because I don't know who's at fault or what happened. But as the quotes in my article said today, um, you know, Mark Hazeman basically said, well, you know, so many mouths to feed, we can't feed them all. We're going to go for the ones that we own because, hey, you know, it's hard to scale a business and it's hard to take a business national, all of which any reasonably modest person might have, you know, known um, before that. So anyway, hope all, all the best for Blistic. I think for me, it really said two two things. A few things jumped out at me. One was obviously the relationship with Minecraft and we've been watching that. But I think the second is it just goes to show you that however you access capital, as soon as you get outside investment, be it from a Mighty Craft who promises skills and resources and then you scale and they don't deliver, be it through a crowdfund, be it through as someone we've spoken to, you know, you take it from the banks. As soon as you bring in outside capital, there are strings attached with that and it augments the business that you have and the control you have over that business. And so I think, you know, that's even evident in the responses that David uh, Kitchen provided today with respect to seeking other capital for growth. So I just think, you know, outside capital into your business changes your business um, that doesn't all have to be negative, but you have to realise that it's a change and that means you can't quite control your own destiny in the way you did previously. Well, I'd, I'd argue that equity crowdfunding is an exception to that because apart from having to show some disclosure, it doesn't change the business at all because as we've seen, craft breweries aren't actually disclosing. They're not even they're not even speaking to their supposed shareholders who have no ability to uh, influence the outcome. But you know, let's not go down that so, road at all. So uh, my argument about that one would be um, it makes them a less attractive long-term buyout option from a large brewery. So they've um, yeah, well, made that's the true. choice yeah. to take them. They've made the choice to take themselves out of the market. So, uh, and then the second thing I think this highlights is um, hopefully. Um, it's it's sad that we're now calling this the easy times way, but that this was a uh, voluntary administration at an early enough point so that the business realised it needed external advice and support early enough that it will be a quick turnaround um and a rationalisation that allows it to continue. And obviously, they're going to be staff affected. Um, but hopefully, you know, the, the core business remains. And the other thing that I think is interesting um, and that we've been talking about a lot in the landscape of the beer industry is just how complicated the corporate structures are of many of the businesses that we try to track. So we use the word independent a lot. Um, but actually getting to the bottom of who owns Fred's Brewery when you have to look at three holding companies and directors <laughs> and so on and so forth. This, again, lists four, three related companies, four unrelated companies. Matt and I have talked about a lot about the lack of transparency around Mighty Craft. And so uh, uh, the reason I raise this is um, you had that interesting conversation with Evan Craney about independence and I sort of always equate independence to more transparency, smaller ownership. But as some of these corporate structures show, just because you're independent 
doesn't mean you're more transparent or obvious. So I just, they were my sort of not directly related uh, takeaways out of this article, but they were my sort of tangential uh, industry things. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully, whatever, however we describe it, hopefully they do do an easy times, you know, for, for everybody involved um, that the uh, that, that they are able to. Um, and, and, and I will say that, you know, I don't know that despite all we've said that the easy times exit was as happy for everybody as may have been made out. Um, but, you know, let's hope that good does come out of this or, you know, that, 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 that the best result can come out of it. Viv, with that, we're moving on to our next story, which is a little lighter, but HPA <laughs> provides a crop update. Yes. So with the hop harvest set to begin soon in the Southern Hemisphere, Hop Products Australia has provided its latest crop update, indicating this year's harvest to be, quote, on average. Um, but in similar reports to last year, rainfall and weather conditions continue to impact its farms. So in its update, HBA noted that 4% of its acreage was subject to flooding towards the end of 2022. So the company said, even though the hop and brewing world seems to be going through significant realignment of supply and demand, the outlook for Aussie hops remains strong. Since crop 2023 is expected to be on average, we encourage brewers to proactively review their Aussie hop requirements and reach out regarding forward contracts. Look, I don't know that there's that much um, to, to, to add for this. A lot's happening in the, in, in the hop space. HPA does you know, often bring the conversation back to hop contracts um, and contracting forward contracts. Um, and, you know, for brewers, they sometimes see that as, you know, we don't want to be locked into something. But, you know, as with anything, there's there's arguments on both sides. But I've, a number of conversations I've had in the last week, and not with HPA, I have to stress, but hops are increasingly becoming a commodity for, for, for the craft brewing industry. Hops were the thing that really fired it and hops are a huge part of the brewing industry and, and the craft flavor um, drivers, but it's an agricultural product. And we've seen companies greatly expand their um, acreage when you know 15 20 years ago hops the area under cultivation globally was declining um, and particularly the commodity hops and there's been a lot of investment in hops and it's very very hard to forecast between feast and famine um, with, with hops so you know good on hpa for providing a crop update um, we'll be posting one of our regular updates from Stan Hieronymus, um, you know, who looks at the you know, hops industry globally, w- which is good as well. But yeah, um, if, if you want to guarantee your supply, um, you know, speak to your hop supplier um, about locking in if you can, whoever that is. Yep, agreed. Moving on, busy quarter for ABAC. Yes, so ABAC has seen a continued increase of complaints according to its latest fourth quarter report for 2022. So 47 complaints were raised during October to December of last year, which is a significant increase on the 30 complaints made during the previous quarter. So the numbers are the highest for last year, which sort of indicates a continued trend of increased complaints during the final months of the year. Pre-vetting numbers still remain high, with 
885 recorded for the quarter. Of those, 159 were rejected. Um, and further on in the piece, ABAC sort of provided some advice, especially around age restriction controls on social media. So they said it is also important to brief influencers to age restrict individual posts in which they are promoting an alcohol brand. ABAC is committed to further periodic monitoring in this area. Yeah, Viv, you wrote this article, um, but the piece that I then went away and took out was so pre-vetting is great. Um, it, it's kind of, I've made this analogy before, but it's like privacy reporting. You want pre-vetting to be up even if rejections also go up because it means that people are checking and those advertisements don't actually hit the market. So an increase in pre-vetting um, is great. But I noted that 18%, so 159 of 885 were rejected in pre-vetting. And so my brain went to if these are the companies that feel really good about their campaigns, so good they would put them in front of a pre-vetter and 18% of those are rejected, we have to assume that um, that at least 18% of the advertising in the beer industry is not meeting standards, right? That's probably, so that's 20, that's pretty high is where I landed. I was like, if the people who are conscious enough to get pre-vetted are getting turned away, the people who are not conscious enough to get pre-vetted are probably breaching at a percentage that's roughly about that as an indicator. And I just thought it is something that um, I think, Matt, we saw a post recently and somebody commented to you, oh, this is ridiculous. And you were like, well, shouldn't we get a Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was something. Uh, we, we wrote a story, uh, Vivian's yes. last story, and somebody oh. just, you know, because when um, Bridge Road hadn't commented and, you know, no, not surprising they didn't comment for, you know, it's, it's a ridiculous thing. And again, <laughs> I, I, sh- I shared in the Radio Brews News Facebook group for anyone that doesn't. And uh, <laughs> the password for that is Soapbox. We've had a number of people say they're a listener without using the, um, and I think we stopped saying Soapbox is the password. Join us in the, um, for, for the conversation. Um but I posted a story out of Scotland this week where James Watt from BrewDog had been quoted as saying it was ridiculous that the Scottish Parliament was considering, you know, restrictions oh, on, right. um, you know, what brewers could do. And some of the things that the Scottish Parliament is apparently seriously considering, not, you know, advocates are calling for, but the Parliament is actually considering is not having logos on pint glasses. So imagine if you're in a brewery and you can't have your logo on your pint glass. Um, no sport advertising, you know, no umbrellas outside of a pub because of that being considered. And you know, to my mind, that is just fair game. Like even though I'm a bit of a canary in the coal mine for these things, those are all per, per, you know, perfectly legitimate and responsible ways to market a brand. Um, but if there is too much momentum against marketing because too many people push the limits, that is the sort of thing that ultimately the anti-alcohol crusaders and, you know, a, a lot of them are educational, you know, want to educate and things like that, but ultimately they come from a position of being against alcohol. We will end up the way that tobacco is, um, where, you know, there'll be in, you know, diseased kidneys on, on, the, on the can instead of, you know, 
clever artwork. And that's what um, made me think of it because as I saw this and I just went, "Mm, probably 20%, let's say, maybe 15 if we're being generous, don't meet the standards. And then the comments, the takeaways, and and as we say every time these articles come out, we encourage you to go read um, the adjudications uh, that underlie this article. Um, but the comment, you know, that was made, memes that make fun of choosing to drink in moderation breach the ABAC standards. Uh, care needs to be taken to avoid humour around excessive or irresponsible alcohol consumption. That's a no-brainer. Like that should be the baseline. Um, Industry people who do shoeys in their industry-branded clothing at public events give me the because I don't know how to frame that more positively, but this is precisely where people will ask for regulation. And if you are wearing a branded T-shirt doing that, you couldn't be holding the industry up in a worse regard. So people think it's funny and amusing. It's absolutely not. We don't want increased regulation. We want um, self-policing. So we should all do better. Again, to defend ourselves, maybe unnecessarily, but there is such debate about ABAC and restriction and things like that. You can have whatever view that you want about what is reasonable, you know, about what you think is reasonable. But the reality is, it will be regulated, and it can be worse regulated. It's it's never going to get better regulated than it is, but it can get much, much, much worse. So, um, yeah. Uh, so speaking of. Going backwards, I don't know if that's the right um, segue here, but uh, Lion to close James Bowes Visitors Centre. Last week, Lion announced the closure of the James Bowes Visitor Centre in Launceston, citing COVID impacts, rise of costs and overall decline in beer consumption. That is in in commas. Uh, The company acknowledged impacted staff and noted that the closure will not affect brewing operations at the brewery. So Tasmanian Premier Jeremy Rockliffe shared a similar sentiment, suggesting the state's economic response to the pandemic has been strong with record numbers. I understand the mainland owner has cited the impact of COVID-19 as justification for this decision, but with our economy strong and visitors returning in record numbers, this, this does not appear to pass the pub test. The government has reached out to line management this morning to better understand the reasoning for this decision, and we stand ready to assist where we can to allow this iconic Launceston experience to continue into the future. Look, sad news. At the end of the day, it's business, but it's also an abject listen in trying to spin, you know, trying to say that people are drinking less beer, you know, might be a reason for killing, you know, for closing a brewery in Western Australia and moving production. But closing a visitor centre is just because it was dying on the vine and it was had no attention. And maybe the two are hand in hand, you know, maybe fewer people are going, so they devoted fewer resources to it. Um, but they certainly, uh, that, that, you know, that they certainly haven't invested in it, um, and it's you know it has repercussions. Wait, given the relaunch of powers, wait till Bogues, you know, is a heritage brand or a nostalgia brand or a ironic re-release, um, and you know, we'll, we'll see it come back, and they'll tell us how much they always love the brand, and you know. Well, my thing was that the Tasmanian Premier wouldn't have to address it if there hadn't been sufficient local public outrage 
requiring a response, right? If nobody local was invested in the brand, then nobody would have expressed outrage. And so there's clearly still a love. Um, and I really liked the framing of the mainland owner um, from the Tasmanian Premier. I thought that was rather amusing. And so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here, but clearly within perhaps the Launceston community, there's certainly a feeling. And when we posted it, um, a number of people pointed out that when they had recently travelled to Launceston, they'd made a point of going because they were involved in the beer community. And so, you know, maybe it, um, maybe this story is yet to have another twist. But this, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a good point. And, you know, like not banging line because they're a business. Um, and... You know, when, when I really fire up, it tends to be when there is a dissonance between what people do and what they say. And, yeah. you know, Lion is a foreign-owned company. That doesn't matter. That's how you get investment. Like, that's how, you know, all of that, you know. And a lot of craft brewers buy a lot of their ingredients overseas. So whilst their very, very small profits may stay locally, a lot of their big purchases go overseas buying you know, overseas yeah. equipment that's cheaper. And so these things are, you know, that, that's the way of the world. But when you do have a company that keeps talking about how important it, it, it is to its local communities and things like this, a decision like this that in the scheme of things wouldn't save a lot of money, um, you know, it, it's not that big, you know, for, for, for a multi-billion dollar revenue generating company, this experience wouldn't be huge, but it is a huge thing for the local community. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, clearly. Otherwise, otherwise the response wouldn't have been what it was, right? Yeah. Like it's it's and it's woven into the DNA of that space. So, so if you are just a business and you're going to say that we make great beer, we employ a lot of Australians, you know, don't then go the extra bit telling about how important our brands are to us and how important our communities are because if that is true then you actually do continue to invest even when there's a you know a marginal loss to to the company doing it because you play a bigger role you know because those things play a much bigger role in the community than they do in your um you know local area and they've already closed down um you know swan and emu breweries south australian brewing um and a lot of those beers are being made at bogues um you know anyway look it, it, it's it's just a shame but it's also you know as actually as much as i hate to say it you know it is one of those things that small breweries do really care about their local communities over and above you know the the, the you know other other considerations sometimes Somebody else that cares about the community that they operate in is Rallings label stickers and packaging. Brad and the team just love getting out and talking to brewers and they drink a lot of your beer because they are invested in the success of your businesses. Not only are they invested in the success by consuming your product, they wanna make your product look better on the shelves because they are the billboard that will get your brand in the hands of other beer drinkers, not just them. If you'd like to find out how they can do it, you can give them a call at Rallings Label Stick and Packaging on 1300 852 235 or email sales at au. How was that? Thank, that was, I was very proud. That is why you're the seasoned, <laughs> that was without seasoned notes. podcaster. That, I had, to, <laughs> I, I had to refer to the number, but that was without notes. So look, I'm, That was very good. I've been practicing for my five hours on the weekend. 
I know. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a great time. Oh, in another semi-possible closure story, future uncertain for La Seren Brewing. This is sad. Yes. So following its temporary closure last month, La Seren Brewing has reopened its brewery and taproom, but is facing another hurdle where it may be forced to find a new location. So uh, if you recall last month, um, La Seren and 13 other traders within the Melbourne Innovation Centre were forced to leave the premises after asbestos was found by local council. They were only able to return just last week, which left the business to prepare for its reopening last weekend. But now Melbourne Innovation Centre has terminated its contract with council, giving the business, along with many other traders, 90 days notice to vacate a location that has been its home for over 12 years. So I spoke with uh, founder Eva earlier this week, and she said, you simply can't just relocate a brewery overnight or in 90 days. MIC and council are well aware of this. We hope to be able to have a reasonable chat with them about this soon. We have been so humbled by the support extended out by staff, family, friends, suppliers, local community, wider community, the media, local and federal government representatives, and the industry in general. We really hope to come out the other side stronger and reinvigorated. Our first step will be to hopefully have some reasonable conversations with council. Otherwise, we have been given until the 17th of April to move to a whole brewery to God knows where. I mean, you can have crisis comms in place, you can have flood planning and insurance. Like you can, you can sort of um, scenario plan to the worst. But giving ninety days after twelve years of business in the same venue with no hint of the issue, no opportunity to rectify, uh, is is pretty much the worst case scenario you could ever think of as a business. Asbestos isn't something to be treated lightly. Um, you know, I think yeah. Ian, um, when the story came out, Ian spoke up about it. Um, you yeah. know, and, and, and talked you know very emotionally about the repercussions. So you can't take it lightly. But at the same time, it's you know, shoot. You know, as Eva said, you can't just pick up and move. And so you've got a brewery that's substantial, and these are the businesses that you really feel for, um, that being in business, any business, not just the craft brewing business, is hard because these are the things that you constantly have thrown at you. You never find yourself in a position where you can just cruise, where you can just go, hey, we've opened our bar, we can just sit and relax and enjoy being brewers for a while because there's always something. If it's not COVID, it's asbestos in, in, in the room. So I feel really, really sorry for them. And uh, again, the best way to support, go out and buy some beers. Um, I've got a couple of their beers in my fridge at the moment. I've uh, shared a couple on social media. Um, but, you know, go out and buy some beers, buy some merch, jump online, buy some merch. Um, you know, I, I, I would hate to see, uh, you know, for what they add, what's novel and interesting about what they do on the brewing scene. Um, you know, I, I don't have any favourites, but they, I think, are novel and interesting um, and make great beer. It would be real a real shame to see them go because of this. So I get out and support them. Viv, anything that didn't make the cut for the article that stood out to you? Eva also told me that the business only received part of a 20000 
uh, dollar crisis grant from councils, which was shared amongst all the businesses impacted. So each received approximately um, $1,300, which obviously is oh. very little. I mean, when all of, you, you know, you, you read this article coupled with the previous and obviously everything else that's online, um, you know, the amount of beer that they had in tanks, the staff that they couldn't have working, like all of that, I mean, the $1,300 was like, is, a, is a drop in the bucket, right? It's, mm. So that's a sad story. Hopefully the conversations lend themselves to some more practical solutions because whilst we, you know, Ian enunciated the impacts of asbestos, given that they've been in the building for 12 years, you would imagine that a period longer than 90 days is reasonable exit. Well, except nobody knew. So I, I guess, you know, you're a lawyer, you'd appreciate that liability is different when you don't know and when you do know. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's, it's above our pay grade. I'll just put it that way. Well, I'm, I'm a bit sceptically rolling my eyes here, but yes. Okay. I'm so used to that I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, we're practicing saying everything we do out loud for on uh, for when we're filling in five hours. Another great article, Viv, that you wrote that was sort of a passion project of Matt's that he never quite got to, and then some research popped up. So it's great timing for us. But mid strength excels, no low slows. Research. Yes. So. Mid-strength beer has seen a rise in Australia, while Nolo continues to hold a small market share, according to new research by the University of Adelaide. So the research paper was prepared for the Brewers Association of Australia uh, by Professor Kim Anderson of the School of Economics and Public Policy at the University of Adelaide. Um, and it found that despite the attention given to no and low alcohol beers, mid-strength beer consumption has steadily risen in Australia. Um, and so um, further down in the article, we, we sort of also talk about how Australia compares to other countries. So in comparison with 11 other countries, including New Zealand, Belgium and Japan, the research found no other country had a lower no alcohol share in national beer sales than Australia with 0.2%. So Professor Anderson said that while the low alcohol category is largely currently cannibalizing existing beer consumers, he felt it had the potential to to attract new markets. So he said, to date, this category's growth has been mainly at the expense of higher alcohol beers, but as it comes better known, it may also attract some alcohol abstainers and some drinkers of wine and spirits who see it as a substitute for occasions when they seek a non-alcoholic beverage. And then further down the article, he sort of expanded as well on excise and what he thinks... Um, if, if excise was reformed here in Australia and how that sort of could impact NOLO. Um, so he said, currently that regime discriminates somewhat in, fa in favour of lower alcohol beers, but much more so for tap than for packaged products. Should Australia choose to simplify that regime to nudge consumers toward lower alcohol products, it could have non-trivial impacts on beer sales. I'll jump in on this one, given the flag that it was a passion project. It's, this is one of the ones that... Again, bingo cards out. Um, you know, I'd, there has been such interest in the no and low alcohol space, you know, to the point that I sound like I'm anti those products, which I'm absolutely not. Um, Paul Bowker, if you're listening, I'm absolutely not. Um, 
but this is that it was really interesting to see this paper um, come through and you know red little red light flashing for confirmation bias but the Brewers Association of Australia commissioned the study. Um, clearly, it's to further their case for, and they, they talk about it in their own media release, um, for you know lower excise on packaged beer. For so, yeah. so 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 they use it for that. But it was fascinating because one of the things I've always said that I don't think that there is as big a future in Australia for no and low alcohol beer, regardless of anywhere else, because. As this paper says, we already are so far of an so much of an outlier in the mid-strength market um, that that really changes the dynamics of our market. And you know that's thirty years of drink driving legislation, um, excise reform, and you know that has put pressure on brewers to lower the alcohol content of beer and develop this mid-strength category that is, you know, I think 25% of the market now. And that means that there's not as much pressure on people to go completely alcohol-free. Um, and it was interesting to hear that the professor said that at the moment, a lot of the switch is from higher alcohol forms of beer, but he did see some capacity for zero alcohol beer to bring people from other um segments but you know I, I don't know what his qualifications are to say that whether it was just you know supposition but the statistics show that Australia is very much behind the rest of the world um, in growth and in overall consumption of the, the no and low alcohol um, and yeah so anyone who's thinking of investing in one go for your life but just don't do the the the, the, the trap that I hear a lot of brewers saying, look how big it is in Germany, look how big it is in the Czech Republic, because they have vastly different structures around their 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 market. And uh, yeah, so I, yeah, just, just very, very interesting stuff. And, and great article too, Vivian, because that was a dense paper that you had to dissect and then also go through some IWSR um, research as well. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I always think, I mean, you know, we're often critical about um, research done at universities when it's funded by FAIR. So, you know, we should be reading this with the knowledge that it was requested by the Brewers Association um, and fairly transparently for the purposes of um, addressing some of their concerns around excise reform. Um, but notwithstanding, it does address this question. And, and I recall discussing this with you, Matt, a year ago or some time before that when I was look, working uh, with a company and we were looking at, well, what what is NOLO? <laughs> what do we mean when we use the phrase NOLO? And it was clear looking at the way that even um, beer styles are described in sort of official judging guidelines around the world that what we call mid-strength is, is not what other markets call mid-strength. They call that part of their NOLO. So when they're talking about the breadth of no load, they're actually talking about something that goes up to about 3.5. And so I re recall even in the Radio Brews News Group, we had this big discussion about, well, what are we actually talking about? And so I, I think in the article, um, Viv, you set out what are the excise bans. And that was one of the points that in Australia, we use those excise bans because um, that that is one way in which we can use that criteria. And I think both the AIBAs and the Indies have adopted those bans in the way that they describe and, and just 
differentiate between no and low. But it, it was fascinating that in Australia we have this unique thing and in most other countries they just consider that barely alcoholic. Well, that's all of the dense news of the week. There are a couple of bigger stories that are sort of on the back burner. Well, we're going to have the hottest 100 next week. (laughs) I was just going to say, I'm sure there'll be lots of news coming out of the hottest 100. Um, But in other news from Brews News this week, um, Beer is a Conversation, Matt, you spoke with Evan Craney at Bright Brewing, one of the newest board members appointed to the IBA board. And I thought it was a really interesting chat about a whole scope of things, most of which were not about being on the IBA board. Um, But I really liked that he canned the, you know, you're looking for the next lightning in a bottle. Um, And he really talked about that if if you're going into, if you're opening a business in the beer industry these days, you have to go in with the mindset that you're in a business that you want to be in, but you're not going to take over the world. Um, and maybe the, the phrase was maybe you'll strike lightning in a bottle, but um, and there's still room for that to happen, a la better beer. But um, you know you shouldn't be working on the assumption that that will occur. So I thought it was a really interesting chat. It, it, it's it's funny that you know he was on the board, but we spoke to Richard when he was on, um, and we're also speaking to Kyle and Richard when we're in Canberra um, for for the, for the podcast. So I didn't want to go too deep into IBA stuff with him. I really wanted to, yeah. I was really interested in speaking to him. And we, we've spoken to Bright a few times as well. So this was really a look at him, um, you know, Evan, because his thinking was really, he switched on. And so it was a chance to have a chat to Evan about, you know, the thinking that he's going to bring to the board of the IBA. Um, so that was the tie there and it was a really good, really, really good chat. Yeah. And his career in, as he says, he grew up in the liquor industry and that's such a fascinating thing because he's been sitting there watching, you know, watching the trends, um, uh, alongside everybody, um, and is now part of the IBA. So I thought it was a great chat, really enjoyed it. So we're now going to Brewery of the Week. And we, um, this is proudly brought to us as it is every week by Bluestone Yeast. So Bluestone Yeast can supply pictures of yeast from one litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you are after a one-off pitch or you're looking for weekly, fortnightly or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has got you covered. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call Derek on 03851831172 and talk all things yeast. And we know that Derek usually listens to us while he's driving, so shout out to Derek. And Matt, you've got a brewery? Yeah, I'm going to throw this one in, and it's it's actually one I, I can't vouch for it having been, um, but it's it's on my visit very, very soon list. And the reason that it's my brewery of the week is because it is our Prime Minister's brewery of the week. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that you know, with the Hottest 100 coming up, campaigning has been insane this year and there's been a whole lot of yep. positive and negative comments around that have, have your view about that but it has been next level including the prime minister weighing in on willie the boatman's elbow you know named after the prime minister uh named after their local um, member um and you know our prime minister and you know i i think that if a craft brewery can command that sort of you know, attention um, 
and for a competition that you know when we talk about the right the, the rising tide lifts all boats the more people who are talking about beer and if you've got the prime minister talking about beer that's just fantastic so i want to see what all of the fuss is about i've tried a lot of their beers but i want to sit in the bar and see if uh you know the the, the prime minister walks in and has one too so my brewery of the week um and a big thanks to pat is uh willie the boatman can I say one of the things that I thought was most hilarious? Um, so this is not to take away from Willie the Boatman, but Willie the Boatman posted on Instagram or, or Albo posted on Instagram or, or they did and he's out there with the photo. And the really smart media team from um, Young Henry's jumped in underneath and said, well, while you're voting, throw us a vote for Newtowner. And I just was <laughs> like that. I just, I just... I loved everything about the exchange. I loved the photos and I was just, I loved the sort of, because um, of course, you know, I'm sure by now everybody's seen like the Newtowner had a real political edge to it, um, it, to their campaign for Gabs this year. And I just thought the whole thing sort of summed up parts of what I love about the industry. So not to take away from Willie the Boatman, but um, big points to the team, at, to the social media manager at, um, at Young Henry's. Absolutely. You know, we're going to have a lot of talk about the Hottest 100. And there's a lot of very, quite, you know, even before the um, the countdown and that it's just a popularity contest, comments have come out based on, on, on however the cards fall on Saturday. There is a lot of opinion of just about the amount of campaigning, you know, the way that campaigning is done, um, that's going to just be really, really interested. But again, we're talking about beer and a lot of people are talking about beer and that's, you know, a, a very exciting thing. I'd rather people talk about beer than not. Can't wait. Um, and that in record time, perhaps. Uh, for, for such a big Bruce week, it almost week. is. It, 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 it's pretty, we, we did pretty well. And then there were a couple of soapboxes, there were some deep issues and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of protein, not just fibre. With all of that exciting chat, um, that wraps up another week of news. Your hosts have been me, Sabrina Kunz, Matt Kierkegaard and Vivian Topalovich. The show is also produced by Vivian and it's edited by Joe Helder. We thank Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging and Bluestone Yeast for their support in making this episode possible. Thank you to all of you for your contributions by email, text, phone or in the Radio Brews News Facebook group, uh, Password Soapbox. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify to help more folks in the brewing industry find the show. Chat next week or on Saturday and we're out. (laughs) 